Uh, John 3.16 is quite literally the most famous verse in, in all of Scripture. You're watching sporting events, football games, or e- any large gathering of people. You will probably see in the crowd somebody with a sign that says John uh, 3.16. And one of the reasons why that verse is so famous is in it you have a short distillation, a summary of the good news. The summary of what all of the Bible hinges upon, the person in the work of Christ. You have talk about God's love, His initiation in sending His Son. This was God's plan as we read elsewhere in Scripture from before the foundation of the world to send His Son. You read about the identity and the mission of the Son. He is the Son of God. He is fully God. And His mission is to come to the world to save the world. In this verse, you also see the need for us. We're we're those who need our sin forgiven. What is required of us? That we believe in this Son. And then what the reward is for those who believe eternal life with Christ. In short, it is a masterful verse. There's a reason why it is so famous. And yet... A celebrity or fame is a double-edged sword. When verses become famous, we tend to just assume them. We tend to not dig too deeply into them. And many of the most famous verses in the Bible start to take on their own life outside of the text in which they come to mean the exact opposite of what they actually mean uh, in the text. I see that again and again as a Bible teacher. Someone will quote a verse to you and you're like, that's just not what that verse is about at all the way you're using it. And so I want us to ponder deeply uh, this morning the reality of God's love, especially in the sending of His Son. He sent His Son to die upon a tree for the sins of His people. And when we speak of God's love, this is not a jello or gelatin-esque love that is just mushy-gushy, no substance, uh, no form, and no spine. This is a love with a foundation. It is a love with a direction. It is a love with a spine. One of the truly most transformational truths about the Christian faith and the Christian God was this idea, this conception of a God that was loving. You and I take that conception of a God for granted. But in the ancient world, to think of the gods as loving was, well, weird. Zeus, Hades, Venus, Ra, you name them, those gods were pretty self-serving. They were not looking out for the good of their people. And in fact, if you read any of the ancient myths, they were often messing with their people intentionally. Making a mess out of everything. In the ancient pantheon of gods, they were all pretty much selfish Cruel and unpredictable. And even if you have gods like Venus, the goddess of love, that love was purely erotic love. And that erotic love could and did take whatever form was possible, especially in the temple worship of that day. The worship of these false gods involved disturbing physical exploitation of individuals for the gratification of others and for the glory of that so-called God. The Christian conception of God, as John writes elsewhere, is that God is love. You love because God has loved first. And God Himself is love. Now we, as I just said, largely take that for granted. 
in the world today because Christianity has fundamentally shifted how we think about these things. I mean, why wouldn't God love me? Of course God loves me. I'm just a very lovable person. Why wouldn't he love me? And so Christianity and its transformation of the world has now run into the exact opposite problem of when it first came onto the scene. People now use God's love in a way where they presume upon it to justify all kinds of evil actions. Love is the excuse for many a sin today. Love is love after all, and thus love is again reduced to mere erotic behavior. And it's not too much to say that in many ways we are right back in the temple of Venus, worshiping at the altar of perversions in the name of love. All that to say we have a confusion of what love really is. The whole mantra are chanted from Main Street to the White House is love is love. And as I've said to you before, it's a silly argument because it's a definitional reality. A dog is a dog, a kid is a kid, and yes, a boy is a boy. These are definitional realities. But what actually is love? What is it? For many people, love merely means I want something. I have a desire for something. And thus love becomes the opposite of hatred. To love something is to want it, and to hate something is to not want it. And here's the kicker though. Love and hate are really not the opposites that we tend to think that they are. To love one thing means that you will necessarily hate that which threatens or stands opposed to it. This is why the love is love crowd are also very hate-filled to anyone who is against the way they use that that slogan. You cannot choose whether or not you will hate something. It's always what you will hate. What direction is your hate aimed in and is that a good direction? Well, still for others... To be in love means that I feel a certain way for a certain person, uh, generally speaking. And this is, I fear, one of the most terribly uh, destructive lies in our world today. When we talk about falling in love with someone in that way, we reduce it to something that I have no control over. It is something that just happens to you. It's like Cupid is wandering around and he's shooting you with those arrows. You just happen to fall in love with someone. You can't control who you love. And yet the Bible screams again and again, the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. How can God command love if it's something beyond your control? The answer is he couldn't and he wouldn't. That's not what love is. You do have some control over who and what you love. And so this idea of love, uh, that it is merely a feeling that someone creates within me, is turns love into something that is actually ugly and sheer selfishness. How many times have you heard? How many times have I heard? Well, I just don't love you anymore. Because, well, what they're really saying is you don't give me those same butterflies you did when we first started dating. If that's all that love is, love is petty. Love is fickle. And this turns people into, if that is what love is, this turns people into a product that I consume. I love you because of the way you make me feel. You're just like 
a product or a pair of shoes that I wear that's comfortable, and when it's not so nice anymore, I can just toss those shoes off to something else, get a new pair, as it were. Or we can say things like, well, I don't, you don't make me feel that way anymore, but now I feel unsafe. You're dangerous. Brothers and sisters, these are not mere word games. They are lies that I've seen destroy families and marriages again and again. If that is all that love is, John 3.16 is not good news at all. That view of love centers on me, on my feelings. It is unstable, it is selfish, and it is objectively ugly. And it is used then to excuse the most heinous of actions. And this is where we end up if there is no God above because there is no God who is love and this is a cold, dark, meaningless universe. But the good news is the Bible and the God of Scripture does not define and use love in that way. Love rather is rooted to the very nature and character of the Almighty God. When it says God is love, it is not saying that love is God. But rather love flows from His character. And so when you look at John chapter 3, we see that the love that God speaks of there is inseparable from a moral framework. Listen to verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Look again, or listen to verses 19 through 21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. When you read those verses surrounding John 3.16, judgment, condemnation, salvation, there is an entire moral foundation and framework to the love of God. The love of John 3.16 is moral as it stands utterly opposed to the evil and the darkness of this world. And it seeks to rescue individuals from that evil and from that darkness. And so no, not everything, not everything that claims to be love is in fact love. The Bible is clear for that. It actually has another word for love that we translate as lust. It is something different. And the more I think about love, as the Bible uses it, I believe its opposite is not hate, but actually evil. What is the opposite of love? I think it is more clearly evil. For evil hates love, and love hates evil. Paul gets at this point in Romans 12.9, where he says that love is instructed to abhor evil. If you don't know what abhor means, it means to intensely hate. So Paul says if you want to have real, genuine love, It starts with this. You intensely hate evil. So hate clearly isn't the opposite of love. At least not how the Bible uses it. Now I'll grant you this. In the new creation there will be no evil, so there will be no need for hatred whatsoever. But in our fallen world, hatred of evil is a necessary part of love. Let me give you an example. If I love my wife, which I do, and some man comes and attacks her physically, my love for her will look like hatred toward him. 
If I am indifferent towards that attack, I cannot claim that I love my wife. The same thing if someone were attacking my kids. My love for my kids would look like hatred to the attacker. As long as evil exists in this world, love and hate in some way necessarily go together. Thus, love is inseparably tied to the good. It has a moral framework opposed to the evil and aligned with that which is good. So as I've said to you before, love is not just the right thing to do. Well, what should we do? Well, we should love. Well, love is not just the right thing to do, but rather love is doing the right thing. That's what it means to love your neighbor, not to have warm butterflies in your stomach every time you see neighbor John step out into his driveway, but that you do the right thing for him and for you. For God so loved the world, he sent his son to a world that was already condemned. He sent his son to a world that would reject his son and kill his son. Love seeks the good and the good of others, even at great sacrifice. Jesus said, there is no greater love than this, that you would love yourself first. No. Puzzled looks. How many times do you hear? You can't love someone until you learn to love yourself first. We all love ourselves just fine. Jesus said there is no greater love than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Ponder how utterly different that type of love is than how the word is just tossed about in our world today. I love you because of how you make me feel. Selfishness. God, though his son and God were angry and full of righteous wrath towards the way the world was, sent his son anyways, despite feelings. The love of God is found in seeking the good of others who hated him, not those who caused God to fear butterflies when he saw them. The love of God has shown that he sent his son to die for his enemies. The love of God is selfless, not selfish. And that is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is love. Love seeks the good. Love is tied to the good. And this means that we must know what love is, what good is, and align our hearts and actions according to that. And this means seeking the good for others, even at great personal cost. Husbands, love your wives not based on how she makes you feel, but seek her good. Lay down your life for her as Christ has laid down His life for the church. Wives, your love is not based upon butterflies your husband causes every time he walks into the kitchen. Because that doesn't last very long. Love your husband by laying down your life for his good. Brothers and sisters, This is how we get things backwards. We want the feelings, we seek the feelings first, and we get nothing. But if you practice that type of love in your marriage, the feelings fall in line. If you seek the feelings first, you'll get nothing. And I've seen it too many times to count. And this is true for all relationships. Parents to their children, 
children towards their parents, siblings towards one another, friends and neighbors. God commands love, and that love is filled with content, a righteousness, and a direction, the good of others. And we do this because God has done this for us first. Such love is absolutely beautiful when you see it. If you're blessed, as I am, uh, to be in a marriage like that, it is beautiful to see. And it doesn't happen because Levi and Emily are such great people. It happens in the small moments, day by day, where you consider the other person more important than yourself. That is the root of love. Not grand moments, not Hallmark movie moments, but day by day, following the example of God in Christ and laying down your life for someone else. For God so loved the world, He sought our good, despite us being unlovable, despite us being rebellious, despite us being toxic in our treatment of Him, by sending His Son to die for those who hated Him. For God so loved the world, He sent His Son to die to make us righteous. For God so loved the world, He sent His Son to oppose and to overthrow the darkness. For God so loved the world, you and I have a hope. An eternal hope. And that, brothers and sisters, is what we celebrate at Christmas. The love of God in sending His Son Jesus to a wayward world that hated Him. And love is what we celebrate. And love is what we should seek to live by as defined by Christ in Scripture. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank You this morning that You have spoken to us in Your Word and that in it we can see the goodness of Your love. Lord, we praise You that You have sent Your Son to this world out of Your love to die for sinners like us and to rise again in victory. Lord, may our hearts and minds become more like His day by day. May we say no to selfishness. May we say no to the lies of the world that may tell us to look to Yourself first. And may we practice a true and genuine love. One that seeks the good, that lays down our lives for others. And Lord, may Your Spirit strengthen us to that end. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.